0: Have you ever wanted to know professional video editing workflow? Well, this episode is part two of four, teaching you all about industry standard practices when it comes to a professional video editing workflow. And this episode is all about the rough cut. How to do it, what to keep an eye out for, and what the client will be expecting from you. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Video Editing Podcast with me, your host, Shiny. Thank you so much for joining me today. This series has proved to be pretty popular and I'm really happy to bring you part two. The previous episode, if you missed it, was all about the assembly, the very first step in the four steps of a professional video editing workflow. So go back and check out that episode first So you have a good understanding of where we are at right now in the editing process, how to get to an assembly and what an assembly actually is. This episode is the next stage in the process, which is the rough cut. Going to be talking about all the things that you should be keeping an eye out for. I'm going to be talking about client feedback as well and how to loop that into your creative process. And then part three next week is going to be all about the fine cut. And then part four is about the online. So these are the four steps of a professional video editing workflow. And we're going to break those down into all the different types of things you should be considering at each stage. Before we get on with that, have you been editing for over six months? And every time you look at an edit that you've been working on for over a week, you watch it back and you know it can be better, but you just don't know how. Well, if you are, then you are stuck in the perpetual practice loop. It was Einstein that said, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. So if you are just practicing the same editing techniques over and over again, then you're not going to see any improvement in your editing. You have to have an understanding of all of the different editing techniques and how to do them. Once you do that, you'll be able to self-critique your work, understand exactly where it could be improved and work on it and prove it to make it a better edit. Well, lucky you, because I've created some free training just for you to help you break out of the perpetual practice loop, escape the Unwanted name of button pusher so that you can become an in demand editor. That means that you have clients coming to you for your creative ideas, which means you get to choose the location that you work and when you work. If that sounds good, head to unsplice.com forward slash free for access to free training. Register there, sign up for an account, and you'll get access to this free training. It's only 35 minutes and you'll learn how to break out of the perpetual practice loop so that you can become a better editor, a better storyteller, and have great clients coming to you for work. That's unspliced.com forward slash free. Now let's get on with the process of a professional video editing workflow. Let's First, talk about the assembly and the rough cut. What's the difference between an assembly and a rough cut? Well, think about it. If you were building a house from scratch, if you were to build a house, the foundations, the walls, the ceiling, the windows, these this is the assembly. You've got a house now, it's watertight, it's weatherproof, um, but inside inside the house, there's no plaster on the walls. It's bare brickwork, there's no plaster on the ceiling. It's uh, It only looks from the outside like a house, but on the inside, it's rough. There's no finishing and the windows are dirty. So your rough cut is putting plaster on the walls, painting the walls, a nice white, maybe a nice magnolia. I don't know what tra- what uh, shades are in fashion at the moment. But um, think about the assembly as just the bare bones of your house. The walls and the rough cut means you are now plastering the walls, polishing it, making it look like a finished house. And then the next stage, the fine cut, would be when you add all the furnishings and make it feel like a home. So right now, we're just finishing the house. We're at the rough cut stage, finishing off the house. Um, And so you will have sent the assembly to the client, and now you're going to expect feedback from them. That feedback needs to be implemented, and most of the feedback that you'll receive, if the client knows what they're talking about, will be the following things and these are all the things that you should be thinking about now moving from the assembly to the rough cut stage i'm going to list them now and then i'm going to break them down and go deeper on each point so even if your feedback doesn't include all of these points these are all things that you should be working on to move into the rough cut stage so you want to be thinking about the bigger picture and now that you have this sketch if you will of the entire story, the entire timeline, that is your assembly. You have a sketch now, you can see where everything is, how the entire piece is going to work, how the dialogue is gonna work, how the story works, how the narrative works. You're looking at the bigger picture of everything. Is this working? Is it gonna be great? And just look at it broad strokes. Then you wanna look at the narrative and the story. Then you wanna think about dialogue itself which is related to the narrative and the story however um, we're going to go a bit more granular then look at the scene selection how the scenes are working and then we're going to look at music and then b-roll but the broad strokes not too fine once you've thought about all of that then you're going to implement it so let's first talk about the bigger picture number one Broad broad strokes, you would, we're talking 30,000 feet view, looking down on your edit, no matter how long it is, whether it's 30 seconds or whether it's 30 minutes, you can now see everything that you have. Okay, great. All of those ideas that were rushing around your head as you were creating the assembly are now on the timeline. And they look great, hopefully. So you can see what you're dealing with. You can see the story. You can kind of see how the whole thing is panning out now. And you can be extra, extra critical on your work. The first thing to think about is, get your notepads out, um, is it hitting the right identity? So let's look at this word identity very quickly. And this comes back to the shiny principle. And if you're not familiar yet, there is, uh, I talk about it on the podcast all the time. The Shiny Principle is a principle for overcoming blank timeline syndrome, but also ensuring that your story and your edit is all aligned and it all makes sense. So the I in the Shiny Principle stands for identity. That is the footage and the music and how everything is working together. You know the identity of let's just take um, two Christopher Nolan films, let's say Oppenheimer and 1917, and they each have their own identity, and they that comes down to the color grade, it comes down to the type of camera shots, the ca- the type of editing, the type of dialogue, the music, the tone of all of these things the tone, the vibe, the, the emotional feel um, that relates to the tone. These are all things that make up the identity of the film. Is the identity of your film that you've just made aligning with the film that you want to create or the film that the client is paying you to create? Are we hitting the right tone? Are we making sure that we're appealing to the right audience and not For example, the Barbie audience, the Barbie movie audience, you know, a bright neon pink uh, color palette might not fit the audience that we're trying to hit. So let's make sure that everything of the identity of the film is hitting the right mark and appealing to the audience that we are trying to communicate to. Now that we have the broad strokes, we have the ability to see that. Sometimes if you're working on the assembly and you're just looking at footage, you can't see the wood for the trees. You are so in it, you can't see the bigger picture. Well, now you have it. And so now you can be self-critical and go, okay, this isn't quite hitting the mark. This isn't exactly the vibe I wanted to go for in this edit. Let's start rethinking about this. And so we're looking at the broader strokes here and This is also the perfect opportunity to think about humor. Where can you inject humor into your edit? This is the point where we do it where we just start looking at the rough cut and start thinking about, okay, I know we have an extra bit of dialogue or a bit of verite or actuality um, from a bit of footage that we could implement here to make this bit land better. Does the edit want humor? Does it deserve humor? If so, think about ways that you can inject it now before you start playing with everything else. Let's talk about the narrative because that's the next big step. And um, remember, we're talking about the rocks and a glass principle here. We wanna start with the rocks, which is the big things, and then the pebbles, then the sand, then the water. So looking at a timeline, what are the big chunks? The bigger chunks are the dialogue. And then beyond that is the B-roll and, of course, the music. And then beyond that is sound effects, effects, transitions, something like that. So let's start with the bigger picture, the narrative, the dialogue. Is the story thread that you have created in your assembly clear? Does all of the dialogue relate to one single story thread, that goes through your entire film. So your film, let's go back to the shiny principle and I'll lay it out again. S stands for start, H stands for human, I for identity, N for nuance, and Y for why though. You need to make sure that um, your story thread, which is your Y, is all, everything is connected to that story thread. So your Y is, a one-sentence reason or purpose for the film. Why are you making this film? Why should the audience watch this film? What is the going to be the outcome at the end? So this is the story thread. This is the journey that either our character is going on or we as a viewer are going on if we are going on a journey of discovery, with unfolding information as we go through. Your why is one sentence long, and that is your story thread. Every piece of dialogue needs to relate to the story thread and nothing more. Anything that doesn't needs to go. And I had a question recently, which is which is very, very uh, poignant, because within AnswerWise Pro, I'm always telling people to... Cut their edits down. And more often than not, nine times out of 10, the edits need to be cut down to be shorter. Uh, and sometimes it's just an exercise in kind of working that part out of your brain. It's an exercise in reducing information because you only want exactly what is necessary in the edit anymore you're gonna lose the audience. Anything that does not relate to the story thread is extraneous, unnecessary, and you the audience is gonna turn off. So it really is important to make sure that everything relates to the story thread. And it isn't about creating the shortest edit possible, it's about creating the most succinct edit possible. So there's no extra information that doesn't need to be there. So think about that as you're now creating your rough cut. What dialogue needs to move? And this is the perfect time to do this. You may want to use the post-it note technique where you write every single scene on a post-it note and then start moving things around to see what order would work best. Maybe, The scene that's three quarters of the way through should come a bit earlier so we can actually understand on the journey that we're going on. Um, And maybe some bits need to be broken into two so that one bit comes earlier explaining the journey and then that another bit comes later where we conclude the journey. This is when you want to look at the dialogue and see which bits need to move around. Another consideration is scene flow. How do the scenes flow from one to another? Does it seem natural that we are in someone's bedroom and then we're at a you know at a theme park at a, on a roller coaster? Does that make sense, or are we missing a huge chunk in the middle where we need to show the motive for going to the theme park? These things need to be considered now now that we're at this kind of 30,000-foot view, and we're going in a lot closer. And let's talk a little bit more in depth about dialogue. Does everything relate to the story thread, but also do we have the correct hierarchy of speakers? So within your film, depending on who speaks first or who has the most dominant speech, Uh, dialogue, will be who the audience relates to the most. The first person to speak is going to be your main character, and that is how the audience knows that they are the main character. So think about the order and the weighting of the hierarchy of your dialogue. If we are following one person, make sure that we are waiting. The amount of speech in their favor. That could be by having them speak first. In fact, it should be by having them speak first, uh, but also having them introduce some of the main concepts. Uh, if we have, let's say, we're, we're talking about a um, a couple and we are following the main, we're following one person on the journey. Well, if we have the partner, introduce the whole journey of they're going to be doing this, they're going to be doing that, they're going to be going there, they're going to be doing this. Um, It all of a sudden changes the power dynamic so that the actual person that we are following is now lower in the power dynamic because they're being spoken about in the second, third person. So um, that's something to be thinking about. You might want to do that on purpose, having the other person feel diminished and have lower power. And so that gradually over the the course of their film, course of the film, they find their voice, they find the power. Um, But if that's not the case, then the power dynamic and the hierarchy of the amount of dialogue and where it lands and who says what is integral to who we relate to as an audience so that should be taken into consideration at this point while you're still dealing with bigger chunks of dialogue how do the characters come across do they come across as lighthearted as shy as powerful as idiotic as you know manipulative are they coming across the way that you want them to come across And if not, this is the point where you need to find those little bits of dialogue that change the dynamic completely uh, in your favor, in the way that you want them to come across. Perhaps we want someone to come across as timid, but actually having some kind of um, inner need or inner charm that wants to come out, hasn't yet come to the surface. Well, we want to have some piece of dialogue that shows a twinkle of that because we need to tease something that comes later if something comes later completely out of the blue that all of a sudden this person has found themselves and you know is all of a sudden speaking and commanding presence and speaking to an audience of 3000 people whereas before they you know were completely isolated we need to show some kind of thing some kind of element to make to make it obvious that there is something within them that wants to come out that wants to break free Um, because otherwise the journey we won't empathize we won't see them see this within them and see it unfold so it's really really important that we make sure that we have the characters come across exactly as we want them to Another thing to think about as we're dealing with dialogue at this stage is do we have too much? Sometimes you can have too much dialogue. And let's look at corporate videos, which are almost entirely interview-led, very much just talking heads, dialogue heavy, boring. Too much information and you just kind of tune off after a while. Well, the same can happen with any edit, whether it's documentary, branded content, or commercial. If it's wall-to-wall dialogue and talking, then we're just going to tune off. We need some moments to process all the information and actually feel and empathize with the people, the characters that we are following on their journey. So build in those moments uh, and make sure that it's not too dialogue heavy. And I've touched on this, but it really is important to make sure that we do empathize with the characters. That's a big tick. That's a box that needs to be filled at this point, because if, if we're just watching someone go about their daily routines, then we're not empathizing with them, then we're not going to want to see the journey through to the end. We have to make sure that we are communicating empathy at this point because if we try to build that in later down the line in the fine cut, we're going to have a hell of a task to try and move all of our perfectly placed music and B-roll and everything else. So make sure you do it now at these broad stroke stages. Let's move on to scene selection. And it kind of goes back to narrative thing. We've touched on this before. Does Every single scene serve its purpose Does every single scene connect back to the story thread that goes all the way through any scenes that do not serve that purpose they gotta go. Make sure the dialogue and everything that happens within that scene serves a purpose That purpose might be a break. It might be as we've said we don't want dialogue heavy. We need moments of we need moments we need moments to feel. Or empathize, or just a moment to to breathe. So make sure you have those moments, and make sure each scene that you are creating works and pushes the story forward. Now that could be scenes that just have verite and actuality, um, or it could be um, scenes where they go and actually you know go out and do something, or just sat down interview scenes. Sometimes, for example. If somebody is communicating, if you're dealing with a master interview and then they go off and do things and and we kind of splitting that up and putting these moments of um, people doing things and then underneath the master interview, you might want to cut back to the master interview. If somebody's delivering something really, really emotional, you just want to see the emotion in their eyes. Perhaps they're talking about, um, you know, losing a loved one or something like this. You want to be able to see the, the emotion in their eyes. Uh, and so cutting back to just a talking head could be exactly what you need at that point. If you took a scene out and think about every single scene as you're watching back at this stage, would it be missed? If you took it out, would anybody miss it? If they wouldn't miss it, lose it. You don't need it there. Um Does it push the story forward? And that, again, ties back to the story thread. Make sure everything ties back to the story thread and make sure every single scene actually pushes the story forward and contributes to the journey that we are on. So that all relates back to the story. Dialogue, narrative, scene selection. Let's now move on to music. Because previously, up until this point, you could have quite easily just thrown on any old tracks that kind of work just so that we get an idea, we get a vibe, we get a feel for what you're thinking as the editor, uh, what you're thinking for the edit. Okay, we're going to have some funk here. We're going to have a bit of pop here. We're going to have a bit of, I don't know, techno here. and how that actually works with the edit. Well, you can kind of very quickly go out and find kind of the right stuff, slap it on for the assembly and go, this is kind of what I'm thinking. Now you can't get away with that. Now we are going deeper. We have to make sure that every single track on the timeline for the rough cut is exactly the track that we want to put forward as the final track. No more, oh, I'll do none of that. These need to be our final choices. So make sure every single track is giving the right vibe. Make sure they are correct for that scene, exactly where they are, and make sure they come in and out at the points where you are thinking it will work perfectly in your edit. Can you use music creatively? As in, can you use music to build cutscenes? or stings which are um, moments where perhaps you've seen uh, you know friends sitcom friends between each of those scenes they might have just a cut to the coffee shop you know a wider the coffee shop or exterior of the coffee shop and then I have a piece of music that's 5 seconds long that's a sting so would the edit benefit from stings or perhaps punchlines music is a fantastic tool to communicate comedy or to punctuate punchlines of humor. So think about how you can use music in that way at this point in the edit, because every single thing that you put on the timeline, every single music track you put on the timeline now, this is as final as you want it to be. Now, does the music as you retime it have to be perfectly cut? No, not unless you've got a really fussy client who can't see past those mistakes. But one thing you really, really should be doing at this stage is rearranging each music track so that the quiet bits of the music track are building up uh, to the more loud parts of the music track. And you're using the loud parts of the music track at the point where you want to create this sense of power, this punctuation of moments within the story this is the point uh, you want to rearrange all of those bits of music the chorus the verse the bridge rearrange it so that it works perfectly with your dialogue and with your edit exactly as you want it to remember we want the we want some ups and downs in the music if the music bed feels flat all the way through it's boring whatever the edit is if the music is flat all the way through it's boring we're going to switch off no, bueno, no, thank you. Just avoid those music tracks at all costs. So make sure you rearrange your music bits at this stage for impact that kind of covers music at this at this point. Let's move on to b roll because now you wanna be choosing the, your final shot of b roll. You should be going deeper into every single. Um, every single clip, every single piece of footage, and going, now that you know how how the scenes are playing out, you want to be thinking, is this the right shot? Is there a better shot that I can build with these five shots um, to make this more elegant? Or are there moments of movement within the shots themselves. We're talking, you know, ch- frames. Okay, these 20 frames are better than the other 20 frames. So now we're getting a lot more granular with our choice, with our choice of shot and B roll. Now, you also want to be conscious of the type of cuts that you are using. Is it a match cut, smash cut, J cut, L cut? There's so many different types of cuts. Um, I explain all of these in the flow module within Unspice Pro. What all the different types of cuts are, how to do them, and what purpose they serve. Because a smash cut is going to give you a uh, a powerful tool to bring attention to an edit. A match cut is a great way to create a smooth edit and a really nice flow. So having an understanding of all the different types of cuts, how to use them, and when to use them is going to be really really powerful to make sure at this stage in the rough cut stage that you are creating this really appealing and pleasing film to watch so being conscious of the type of cut that you are using being conscious of the b-roll and choosing the right moments from your footage to create that sense of uh, you know that, that sense of enjoyment as you're watching this, this flow. And the timing of your shots. You want to be thinking about the timing of your shots. This You might not have to be pinpoint accurate at this point. You can save that for the fine cut. Uh, so if you're down to a tight deadline, then don't worry about timing your cuts perfectly at this point. But it, you should be very conscious of the timing, when to cut, And there is a pacing module within unspiced pro um, so you can understand exactly when you should be cutting and how you're going to create an appealing pacing, depending on what you want to communicate within your film at that point. And you ought to be thinking about effects and transitions. Will your edit benefit from effects and transitions? whether that's some uh, film effect overlay, some, you know, um, some flash frames, some spinny stuff, zoomy stuff, uh, all the different types of effects and transitions you can think of, this is where you want to start thinking about it now. Not worth doing it beforehand because all you're trying to do is just get the story right because every edit is story first. doesn't matter what you're cutting, every single edit is story first only start thinking about the effects that will help the story. The effects are not the story. The effects are not what is what can keep people watching. The story is. So story first, and now when you're going into the rough cut stage, you can start thinking about, okay, how can I use effects and transitions to benefit the story? Perhaps you want to use them to separate scenes. Um, And that could be a good, you know, motif continues throughout the entire edit. Every time we're moving to a different location, we have some film burn or something like this. They should only be used to push the story forward and to help with comprehension for the viewer. Because if you overuse it, you're going to cause confusion with the viewer and you're going to cause them to switch off. Finally, sound effects. You shouldn't have had any sound effects on the previous, on the assembly cut. But now we're in the rough cut stage, we can start to throw in some rough ideas. We don't have to be super, super particular with our sound effects at this point. We can work on those in the fine cut stage, but start having a think about where can I use sound effects to help communicate information, to help important bits of information land better to help scene transitions, to help create some kind of style. Where can you use sound effects and just kind of find some rough ones and throw them on to see if they work? So it's a lengthy process going from assembly to rough cut. And there are quite a few things worth considering as you go through that entire process. If you wanted some help with that and you want to learn the entire process, then of course you can sign up for Unspice Pro at unspice.com forward slash pro. I would love to help you get your editing on point. Help you with a professional video editing workflow. Everything we've spoken about today is essential to building uh, to to your workflow and to building a tight relationship with the client. The client is the one that's paying you. So having an understanding of all of this, I hope your notebook is full by this point. Having an, an understanding of this will put you in good uh, good place with the client they'll understand that you know what you're doing you know what you 're talking about, and um, it'll help the entire process go so much smoother if you can follow these points well next week we're going to have part three, which is going to be talking we're going to be talking about the fine cut going from a rough cut to a fine cut. And generally speaking, you'll have two rough cuts, a rough cut one. After the assembly, you'll have rough cut one, then rough cut two. And then after that, we'll have fine cut one and then fine cut two. And then that should be delivery. Fine cut two should be the final delivery. Next week, we're going to talk all about fine cut, everything you should be considering as you're building out the fine cut and keeping the client happy at this stage thank you so much for listening and I look forward to speaking with you next week don't forget to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube give it a like comment below if you have learned anything but also if you're struggling with anything at the moment and if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify on Apple podcast then please leave a review it would be much appreciated. Thank you so much for everything and I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.